right now. It looks hot. I like that. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1, please. We're going we're gonna to launch here. And I want to just share with you a few things that have kind of been stirring up on the inside of me. Lots has been going on in me. And uh, what I want to do is just take some time this month and uh, just really dive into it. And it's just talking about being the right person on the inside, growing large, enlarging our capacity, expanding who we are on the inside. Because that's, you know, that's where it all begins, is from the inside out. How God operates is from the inside out. And everything about God is that way. I mean, a lot of times what religion will try to do is try to make changes from the outside in, but God does things from the inside out. And same way with you in my life, if we want to see any good things take place in our life, it's all birthed out of being, who, being right on the inside, being strong, being developed, being who we really are matters to God more than what we do and what we have, but who we are will create things for us. So in Colossians chapter 1, I just want to read this passage of Scripture to you. We're going to read a couple verses. But I just want to show you this. This, I think, is just fascinating. Just on how God's interest and His will for you in my life is that we be fruitful. Isn't that true? When I say fruitful, it means to be productive. It means to be bearing fruit godly. I mean, you can read in Galatians chapter 5. You can see the fruit of the Spirit that's there. And God's desire is that every child of God that is born from Him produce fruit like Him. Because we're born of Him, right? So we ought to produce fruit just like Him. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse 1, it just says this. This letter is from Paul. Chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy, we are writing to God's holy people in this city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So who is this letter for? All right, it's for, it's for church folk, right? We're church people, right? You. Okay. Verse 3. <laughs> My dad just answered the question right, so he said, I was here last night. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. It's, yeah, he got the right answer. Verse 3, we always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I just love that, but you know, the same way with our team here, with, when we pray on Tuesdays, we come together and we thank God for this church family. It's not that you just got born again, you received Jesus as your Lord, and okay, have fun with the rest of your life. No, now we start praying for one another. Right? Because listen, now that you're part of the kingdom of God, there, there's an enemy that, that's out there, and his will is to steal, kill, and to destroy. But God came that you may have life and have it more in, in abundance, to the full, till it overflows. Right? And so what we're doing here is that I just love this. You see Paul's heart right away is now we're going to start praying for you. We lift you up. And that's what we do here as a church family as well. Verse 4, it says, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Now, I love this. And I think this is one of the driving forces behind what this church is and who we are. I want to be known as a church that has faith in Jesus and they have love for one another. Yes. That this is just one big lovey-dovey people. I'm not talking you know, weirdness. I'm talking true, genuine love. The love of God that He has for us and we're showing it to one another. Right? The real love of God. That there's no offense, there's no bitterness, there's no uh, you know, hardness of heart toward one another. That we're open with one another. We care about one another. That's what, that's what this church was known for. Think about it. Out of all the things that they could have said, they're known for their worship. They're known for their, I mean, they could have said anything. For their joy. And all those things are great. But what was this church known for? Their faith in Jesus and their love for one another. Not about you, but there's, I mean, there's other churches you may have been part of before. But what do you even think about this church? Well, don't tell me now, but <laughs> what would you think of this church? And what our, what our aim is, is that we have strong faith in Jesus. We trust Him without it, 
without anything. We, we go all in with him and we love each other. I think that's one of the greatest testimonies that a church could ever receive is that they also got flown for one another. Verse 4. Oh, sorry, verse 5. Now, because of their, they had faith in Jesus and they had love for all of God's people, how did they have that? Where did that all come from? Verse 5 really shows us. It says, which came from your confident hope or your confident expectation of what God has reserved for you in heaven. So what were these people? How did they live their life? They didn't just live their life kind of going, you know, kind of going through the mundane, going through the nitty gritty just to, you know, make it another day. These people had a certain mindset about them. And what was their mindset? They were excited about what was reserved for them in heaven. That's how come they could love one another. Even if tough times come, they would stick with one another because they're family. We're all part of the family of God. We're going to hold tight. Do you see that? Because of something they saw for future. Not just for right now. Listen, you can get offended at the drop of a hat so easily, so quickly at anything, right? But if you see further down, you see what he has in store for you, what he's got reserved for you, and the few things that we read from Scripture, and number one, we get a new body. Woo! I mean, on top of all that, we get to be with the Lord forever. (laughs) That should get you excited, right? You get to be with him forever. You get a new body out of this thing. Guess what he also says, Jesus said in John 15, or John 14, he's making a house for you. Not just to have a mansion for you. Sweet. I'll take, I'll take it. Anybody else want to take that? Oh, I'm good with a little shack. Well, fine. I'm going to take the mansion. I want the big thing. Right? Yes, please. Okay. But this expectation, what they saw, this caused them to have faith in Jesus and to love one another. So let me encourage you this morning. Let's get our eyes off of what we're just seeing here and get it focused on where we're heading. We're heading there. That'll make anybody easy to, not easy to love, but you can do it. They may be frustrating, but you can do it if you see something that's yet to come. Yeah. Right? Okay. It says, you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. Aren't you glad about that? That this good news didn't just stop in Israel when you know Jesus launched the church. It went to the other parts of the world. This grace, this good news continued to you and I. So what does this show me? That this message, this gospel that we're proclaiming is a world traveler. Who is it after? People. Every race, every color, every tribe, every tongue. It's after everybody. No matter where they are, where they're from, what skin color they're at, what their culture background is. This grace message, the gospel, is after all people. It's here to take over. And that's why you and I are here. We're part of the takeover group. And what do we got? We got a message. We are message carriers. Now notice this. It says, it is bearing fruit. What's bearing fruit? The gospel. This message is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Isn't that awesome? Man, isn't it cool to see that you, you know, you may have known of, and I remember coming in contact with a couple of tough guys before, and they will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Then he says, stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. Like what? Well, everything that we just listed off. Because we're not just, oh, but they're Christians. Right? This, this is what they do. And as Jamie and I, especially as we're raising our kids and training our kids now, we're going to be putting them in a Christian school. Now, a lot of times they go, oh, they go to a Christian school, so it must be okay. Not necessarily. Just because somebody just posts the word Christian on it doesn't make it a Christian thing. What do you got to look at? 
Fruit. You got to see the fruit. And this is vital as we get into these last days because as we know, people are going across and they're doing everything in the name of God. They're doing everything in the name of Jesus. But is it producing godly fruit? If not, I want nothing to do with that. Right? So, I mean, we could look and point fingers all day. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is for you and I on the inside to take a good check on the inside to make sure that we are who we say we are. Right? That we're set up properly for success. We're set up properly to bear fruit. Cool? Luke chapter 6, verse 43 in the Message Bible, it says this, You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree, nor good apples off of a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life-giving lives. Then verse 45, Jesus says this, It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. So Jesus really just pointed out here, it's not even what you say or what you do. Don't focus on those. Focus on who you are, because when you focus on who you are, the words and the deeds will come out of that. Does that make sense? Because you got a lot of people just saying, oh, I got to watch what I say. I got to be careful what I say. Listen, forget about that. When you become the proper person on the inside, you won't have to manage that. <laughs> right? Because what does religion do? Talk right, do right. Right, and so I want to just kind of preface all this with what's important here and what we're discussing is we want to be the right person on the inside. I want to be the right person on the inside. So what this is and what this is not, this is not a religious rhythm. Religious rhythm is try hard, try harder, fall short, give up. Let's hit that rhythm together. Ready for that beat? Try hard. Try harder. Fall short. Give up. Try hard. Try harder. Fall short. Give up. Now, doesn't that sound like religion? And for the eight people that were with me saying it, thank you for that. <laughs> so what, what did God do? When Jesus came to this earth, he absolutely destroyed the rhythm of religion and he brought in the rhythm of grace. You can see that in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says in the Message Bible, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There is a rhythm to grace. There's a way that this thing motors. There's a way that this thing flows. And it's not try hard, try harder, fall short, give up. How many Christians are in that place or they're in between try hard and the next try harder? They're working hard trying to, trying to say the right thing or trying to do the right thing, trying to be the good husband, trying to be the good wife, trying to be the good parent. It's, that's religion. You're stuck in this rhythm. We got to break out of that religion. It's, it's, it's wearing you out. Now, what is the rhythm of grace? God speaks. Grace speaks. I receive, or I believe it, I apply it, fruit. Ready? God speaks. I receive it. I apply it. There's fruit. Do you see anything about you trying to work some fruit up? You trying to love. You trying to be patient. You trying to be caring. You trying to be kind. No. God speaks. I see it. He shows it to me. What happens? I receive it. I believe it. I apply it to my life. There's fruit. Now we know this. Every kind of fruit that you and I, we bear, it's not us doing it. It's the grace of God in us. We know that, but how do we get this thing working in our life? It all starts with number one, grace speaking. You got to hear God speaking to you for yourself. Because the moment that you start doing something because I said it or anybody else says it, it becomes tradition. Okay, well, I saw that, you know, Eric did this. I mean, this, that's, how, that's how he worships the Lord, so I'm going to just try this. Let it become your own thing. 
Let it become your own relationship. When you hear God for yourself, when you see God do it for you, what he did through Jesus, and all of a sudden you go, Lord, I believe it. Thank you for it. What happens? Now I apply it to my life and fruit automatically comes. Right? Does that make sense? Are we on the same page? Yeah? Okay. Now, I again, I want to take my calling very seriously. John 15, 16. This is why I'm here. This is why you're here. This is why the church at large is here. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. Now that's good news right there. Because you want, if I chose Jesus, that means I'm going to have to try somehow to get fruit out of my life. But if he chose me, he's also the author of all the fruit that I'm going to produce. Right? Okay. Jesus said that you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Man, I love this. And you know, this is the reality. This is where Paul was at. I love this verse in Galatians 2.20. This is one of my life verses. It says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ living in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do I live my life? I live my life with this understanding that it's no longer me who lives. And you know, in the distilled Bible, just I'll read this to you. You'll really like it. He said, I consider myself as having died and am now enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. You got a second chance at life, but guess what? Now who's running it is Jesus is. I'm allowing him to have a second existence using this body. And what does he want to do? Produce fruit. That's what he wants to do, right? Okay. <laughs> and I love this. Jesus is willing to use my life and to produce godly fruit in it. Think about that. Of all anything he could have chosen, as, we, as I read earlier this morning, James chapter 118, we are his prized possession. He chose you to produce fruit out of. Hello. That should get somebody excited. It's not you trying to work out patience, trying to work out kindness, trying to good out temperance. It's him working in you to produce that fruit. Oh, I just need more self-control. Have you ever said that before? Thank you for the two hands that are honest. All right. Self-control. I just, I, I wish I had more self-control. I'm going to do better next time. Only to go back into the same cycle of try hard, try harder, fall short, give up. It's impossible to do this. This, everything that this Bible talks about, it's impossible to get to. No. Yeah. It's going to be when you're trying it. Oh, I'm going to just try to be more loving to my spouse. I'm going to try not to freak out on my kids. So you try hard. Then you try harder. And then one of them spills milk. No! Oh! And it's not just spilled milk. It's the milk that goes in the table that has the crack down the middle. And then you can't clean it because it's now, now your table reeks. And it's like, oh God, my table's now ruined. I remember I was cleaning it up. And the Lord just said, Joel, would you calm down? Lord, if these kids could just drink milk properly, it would solve everything. <laughs> no, the problem is not with them. The problem, the problem is not their milk drinking. The problem is on the inside of me. Why does that milk bother me? <laughs> Why? Why does people chewing with their mouth open so irritating and so frustrating? Why? Didn't you have a mother? <laughs> <laughs> or if not a mother, a grandmother. 
I had an Oma who would slap it out of us. If you chewed with your mouth open, what's wrong with you? It was, it was pretty close to the unpardonable sin. We called it smucking, and that is not allowed. When you know you just, you're enjoying a meal. And you know what? Even sometimes as kids, you may have a little bit of a stuffed nose. You had no choice but to... Because while you're trying to chew, you're trying to eat with your mouth open and you got no airflow. And so what happens, you know, just go to the basement. We don't want to see you. We don't want to look at you. Just, out you go. And that was, that was the word that they would... So when they say, I don't even know what that word means. All I know is that it means get. Right? Is that true? When you hear havech in Dutch? Any Dutch folk in the, play, in the house before this little corner? When you hear havech, that means get out of here. So how many times I've heard havech? I'm choking, I'm choking. No, Havak, get out of here, get out of here. Why does that frustrate? It's not my problem, it's her problem. <laughs> that lady right over there, my Oma housing. Could you stand up, Oma? Yeah, that's right there. So I encourage you, it all came, she started it. <laughs> so if anybody wants to eat lunch afterwards, I encourage you, bring your wide mouth over to her and she will encourage you the best that she can. <laughs> All that it shows me now is, oh, there's something inside Oma that needs a little tweak. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I love you, Oma. <laughs> and I'm out of the inheritance. Praise the Lord. Here we go. <laughs> oh, man, where do I go from here? No, that's actually my notes. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I have the greatest Oma in the entire world. She is amazing. Happy Mother's Day, Oma. I'm trying to get back in. I'm digging up. <laughs> so, where do we start? <laughs> where do we start? Now, and I, there's a couple of questions that I just, I wrote down just for my own self. Because why does smucking bother me? Okay, I got I to gotta ask myself these questions. And that's just a very, I'm fine now. I'm good. Because as long as I keep saying I'm going to get those Facebook posts tagged, I think I got tagged about 18 times in those little possums eating with their mouth open. And I, I want to thank you all for your, your giving me an opportunity to let fruit produce. See how I did that? Yeah, see that? Okay. All right, anyways. So where do we start? How do I now see this fruit being produced in my life? And we're going to talk about all this, getting into the parable of the seed and the sower. We're going to go into that more in detail. But there's two questions I want you to ask yourself. The number one is, how do you view God? Because this is vital, because how you see Him will, will greatly affect how you live this life. What's your view of Him? Is He a short-tempered God? Is He easily angered, easily frustrated? Does He have, is He, is He err with you? How, how do you see Him? And then next question I want you to ask yourself is, now how do I see me? How do you see you? Do you see yourself frustrated? Do you see, see yourself angry? Do you see yourself constantly short with, your, with family, with relationships? Are you always uh, tense and eager? Where, where are you at? Because according to what the Word says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Even though God has said some amazing things about you and I, it will absolutely do you no good unless you see yourself that way. Until you see yourself the way that God sees you, it won't benefit you. God says about you, you are without fault. I see you as righteous, as holy, even above reproach in my eyes. But do you see yourself that way? No, I messed up last night. I, I, I sinned last night. I messed this up. 
What happens is now that identity you seeing, it's just leading you to the next spot. You're going to just do it, go into the same thing over and over again. You're in this cycle of, okay, I recognize, yeah, I messed up again last night, so what's it going to mean? And I, that's who I am. Why can't I get out of this thing? And what happens? You keep repeating the same thing over and over again, not because it's God's will or that you even want to. It's you're in this cycle because as you see yourself, as you think yourself, that's who you are. So what do we need to do? We need to see ourselves through the eyes of grace. We need to see ourselves through the eyes of what the Word says. And we have to let that Word, and that's again going back to how we see God. Is God my final authority? Is He everything to me? Is He my King of kings? Is He the Lord of my life? Because if He is, then I'm going to Him for, my, for what He says about me. That's it. This is what He says about me. Right? Okay. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Turn there real quickly with me. Verse 6 and 7. And I'm going to read it to you from, um, yeah, I'll read it. No, I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible. It says, And just now, as you have trusted Christ to save you, trust Him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with Him. I like that word. He had to throw that word vital. Everybody say vital. Man, what happens if you go into, you see a car wreck or you see something like that? The first thing that the, the emergency folk would do is they check your vitals. They want to see if you're alive, if you're breathing, if is everything okay, right? They, they check that. Well, this is with the, the, the same urgency. Paul is saying this. Make it its vital union with him. This is, if I want to survive, if I want to live this life properly, if I want to be everything that God called me to be, I have to live in vital union with him. It's not just a casual, oh, you know, I got a little pulse every once in a while. Every, every Sunday when I check my vital signs, it's boom. Let me encourage you, don't get like passages or I'm going to, I mean, I've been in the book of Romans. That's too big. Slow it down. You've got to narrow your focus because the broader the, the, the scale of the focus, you're not going to get much out of it. It's like a shotgun, right? Everything happens. You've got to zero in on it. Take one or two scriptures and just chew on it. Read over it. Grab your, your iPhone. Get all the Bible translations. Find it in all different translations. Let it speak to you. Let it talk to you. Let it nourish you. Let it speak to you. How do you know when the word is actually starting to get on the inside of you? Is when you hear it talking to you. This word isn't silent. According to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it's the word of God is alive. It's alive. It wants to talk to you. It wants to share things with you. But as you spend time, it just may be one scripture. Just get so focused and zeroed in on that. And the result is the word's going to start talking to you. And what happens? You've just received understanding. And now that you have understanding, oh, I see it. Anybody ever say that before when you're reading the Bible? You just spend, I see it. Well, those are aha moments. Aren't those amazing? Because when you see it, automatically you know how to apply it. And then what happens? You apply it in your life and fruit. There it is. Very simple. Cool? Let's all stand up.